Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. He gives seed to the sower and give bread to the eater. And as much as he has gathered you today, he has something God has prepared for you. So please let us just rise and sing this song. Lord, prepares me as sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, something wonderful. Ask God to truly prepare you to receive from Him. The word of the Lord is sharper than any two-edged sword. He is able to divide hither and hither. Our brother observed when he came here that why are you not smiling? So he asked you to smile and said you are happy. God knows the burden you have come here with. God knows that that is making you to sigh every time you come. God knows that very thing that is eating you up deep inside. But he is prepared for you today. He is ready to meet that need. He is ready to touch you with his word. Pray, brethren, pray that God will send the word into your situation. That you will not go back the same way you came. Pray, brethren, that God will send something to you. He prepared special meals for you. He prepared something wonderful and sumptuous for you. But if you don't receive it, how will it benefit you? Pray, brethren, that whatever God has prepared for you today, there will be no distraction in the spiritual. There is no distraction in the will, in the emotion. There is no physical distraction that will take it away from you, that will prevent you from receiving in full what God has planned for you. And that you will not see man today, but that you will see the grace of God. You will see abundant grace of God. You will see exceeding grace of God. To minister into your situation. So shall it be. So shall it be, O oh my Father. Prepare us specially to receive from you. Prepare us specially, O oh my Father, to be used of you. Because you are the God that does not share your glory with no man. At the end of the day, let us be able to say indeed that we return all the glory unto you and all the blessing is ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Please let's have our seats. Because of our time, so I may have to go a little bit fast. Uh, the message of the Lord, they are new every day. 
His compassion, they never fail. And then you think about it. When God has blessed you, and then why will he renew the compassion every day? Which means the one of yesterday, whether you use it or not, doesn't matter. Where he's bringing it from, where he's supplying it, is in excess. So that's why he can give it to you every day. So that's what the people of old have understood about God. Right? He's an unending source of supply. So it's left for you if you are not able to receive sufficient of what he has for you. But by his grace today, you will get the abundance of what God has in store for you in Jesus' name. The title will be the concluding part of what we did almost two months ago. Exceeding Riches of God's Grace, Part 2. Exceeding Riches of God's Grace, Part 2. In all the instances we looked at the last time in the Old Testament, there was no emphasis on the recipient's lack of merit, right? On the concept of grace. In the New Testament is where we actually found that emphasis. Where we'll be able to know that many of the things we get from God, we don't deserve it. But He's giving it to us anyway because He's our God. Just take your children. What have they done for you? To make you go out of your way, get a good furniture in the house, get good bedding, get the TV, subscribe to it, and even buy them the latest games so that they can have fun and enjoy, just for the pleasure of seeing they are your children. If we, earthly fathers, subject to all the flaws of fatherhood and motherhood, can treat our own children like this, how much more heavenly father? The best of us Father cannot be compared to God as Father. Isn't it? So that is it. So I want us to have that focus so that we will know it's not anything we deserve, but it's abundance that God has that decided to bless us so much. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It cannot run out. Right? His message can never come to an end. So the text is still the same. Ephesians chapter 4, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. The title again is Exceeding Riches of God's Grace, part 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. That is the same text that we had. God lives outside of time. So when he says he made us sit together in heavenly places, that is absolute truth. You may see yourself sitting here, but God can say you are sitting with him in heavenly places. Because it's God that can say that. There is nothing that can stop him from doing that if he has decided to do it. That was the realization that Job came to at the end of his trial. I know that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. If God said this is what I want to do, tell me, who is going to stop it? Who can stop God from doing what he wants to do? Nothing. 
Israel did not deserve God's mercy and love. We saw that in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 to 8. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you are more in number than any other people, for you are the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath with which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He made that emphasis, for you were the least of all peoples. God decides to use the least of all the peoples to show forth his glory. So they won't have anything to be proud of. God decides to use the weakling amongst us to bring forth his glory. Jesus decides to use the man who is not learned, who is timid, as the rock on which to build the church. It is the way God makes his choice. So whenever you have that temptation to feel so proud that some people are not as good as you, think again of what God can turn them to be. Right? Yeah. God can wake up a drunkard that, dr- that got drunk yesterday and fell into the gutter. They can wake him up to come and be a preacher tomorrow. And we'll we see an example very soon. So that is the way God decides. So he made it clear. I hope we all know that we are the Israel of today. We are the one that God has chosen today. Whatever family you represent, wherever community you come from, you are the one that God has chosen. And there is a reason for choosing you. So don't focus on why you are small. Don't focus on what you can do. They are all part of the game. Because he is a God that does not share his glory with any man. So if he doesn't do it that way, you may look at yourself and think, Oh, I'm so brilliant. That's why I'm able to accomplish this. But when you look at yourself and you know there is really nothing to write to me about, then you say, God, you are good. If not for you, where will I be? That is the kind of testimony he wants from you. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy 19 said, Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are stiff-necked people. So God delivered them before they entered into his covenant. He went out of his way. He brought them out. And then they are delivered. Then he entered into that covenant of everlasting goodness with them. So what God wants to do, he already has determined it. That's why we started. There's nothing that can be kept away from him. So he brought you through something to a place where he can now enter an agreement with you. And then when you look back, you know that indeed it has been God that has brought us. These people were very weak. They were being used as slaves in Egypt. Right? They don't have any strength. They were running away and then the army was chasing them. But God delivered them by his mighty hand. A pillar of fire and a cloud over them to separate them. So they know that without God's help, there's nowhere they would have been. And that is the kind of thing God wants to do. So that we said, it is only with God that I can accomplish this. When that boss is threatening and making all his remarks and accusations and angry, angry remarks about you, 
you will go back and say, God, it's only by your grace I can survive this uh, appraiser. And God will know, yes, that is what I want. That boss is going to be removed and then you are going to be placed over him. That's the way it is. Praise the Lord. God promised David that he would not remove his love from David's successor. Even though the the successor sinned. He made that promise to him. So it was already like a forge factor. An experiment that has an allowance for error. I know human beings are subject to frailties. So when any of your sons should do what is inappropriate, I will chastise him with the rod of men and blows of the sons of men. But this kingdom that I'm establishing with you, I will not remove it from any of your descendants like I removed it from Saul that was before you. Isn't it? So that at the end of the day, they will know it is me that is doing it. It's not because they were able to keep themselves righteous. The entire book of Jonah deals with God's merciful concern to save the wicked Ninevites. He said the prophet to go. The prophet was angry. If I go and tell these people, they will change. So you prefer them to perish? Is that the heart of the prophet of God? For well, God knew. So God made it so that even though he was running away, he ran to where God was sending him so that the thousands of people in Nineveh that does not know their left from their right and they were just doing as they please, they can get to enjoy that grace of God, his saving grace. There was a story of uh, a prince. And the prince was of age to get married. So she went. So he went to the church. Because he, as a prince, he wasn't too much into God's things. He wasn't into the church. But he knew the value of the church. You know, so there was a sister in the church that was singing. But that sister has been known for so much promiscuity in her past. But she's now born again. So when the prince made announcement that this is the sister that I would like to marry. Because they know that once she comes in, she's going to be the queen. Most of the family members were against it. Because of her past. Even though she's now a born again sister. And then he said, what you are putting to question here is not the character of this sister. It's the efficacy of the blood of Christ. That means the blood cannot really wash her clean. So that was the message that touched them. They now allowed the, the prince to go ahead to marry the sister. So many times people have that tendency to keep such negative things about others. You know, we know what he was doing, even though he has changed. And we thank God that God does not use the same yastic as men, right, in measuring us. We saw a similar thing in the Bible. The man of God, Hosea, who God specifically asked to go and marry a woman that will be running away and show her love. Every now and then, they will, we will go and redeem the woman, bring her. The woman also will run away to the lover. I say, yes, this is an example of how you have been relating with you. Many times I've called you and invited you to come and enjoy my love and my grace. But you have been running away. You come for a while and after a while you go again into your own ways. God does not want that. He wants you to come and stay. Because he has a lot more to do for you. 
And I just pray that none of us, none of you, will miss any of the grace that God has packaged for them in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm rushing a little bit because of time. Right, so that we can get to finish this and we won't have to have part three of exceeding riches of God's grace. In the knowledge of Christ, there were four women of questionable characters. Just to show to us that even when God made his choice to come to the world, he did not look down on people who are terribly weak. Rahab was a professional harlot. She had faith in the God of Israel when Joshua was coming. And she believed. She saved her whole household. And she was one of the great grandmothers of Jesus. Tema was a little bit of a funny case. Her first husband that she married legally died. The one they will her to died. If I then said, ah, if I continue to give my child, the third son, to this same woman. Maybe he would die also. How can he remain without any village? So he said, go to your father's house first. This boy is still very small. When he is of age, I will call for you. And the woman saw that the boy is of age and the man was not ready to call for her. So the man was going to share his sheep and then she surreptitiously pretended to be a prostitute by the way. And got the man to lie with her. And at the end of the day, twins came out of that just single event. What was the probability that a woman will take in and give back to twins just once? Right? God has his ways. So she was supposed to be of questionable character yet this was one of the knowledge of Christ. The other one was uh, Ruth. We just mentioned about people who go to Moab. Ruth was a Moabitess. Right? The descendant of Lord's incestuous relationship with his daughter. So they were not godly people. But because of the love she has for the mother-in-law, Naomi, and she made that declaration, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. Where you are buried, I will bury. That love captured her heart. And then she became part of those that become Christian today. Christ's people. The people of God. So she was one of the great grandmothers also of Jesus. And the fourth one was Bathsheba. Right? David's adulterous wife. Of all the wives, 16 plus that David has, why is it that one that God chose to have the knowledge of Christ through? So he didn't want us to focus on our past. He did not want us to focus on our weaknesses. From the moment that you have come to realize that God has something he wants to do with this. He wants us to catch that vision and run with it. And depend on him to bring great glory and grace out of that weak thing that may be bothering us. Praise the Lord. God will grant us understanding in Jesus' name. Now, Paul's sense of God's grace comes from experience. Experience is a powerful teacher. You can, you can read book and prepare for exam. And then you go there and you probably make a C or a D. But what you have seen and heard is your personal story. You know, I have this uh, colleague, a very senior colleague, who when we were having a session together, 
reminded, got reminded of how he was to write an exam in school those days. They were to write about Coco. And while he didn't study so much, but he has gone to his uncle's farm. He has been part of those that will harvest the cocoa from his uncle's farm, cut it and bring it out, go and spread it and stay in the sun to dry with cocoa. So he wrote a beautiful story from his experience, how everything should be done, and he got an A plus in the course. That is the way it is. What you have experienced, nobody can take it away from you. They challenged that man that claimed his eyes was open, right, by Christ. He said, give glory to God. We know this man that opened your eyes a sinner. He said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All that I know, once I was blind, but now I see. So that is the experience that touched Paul. Let's open our Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 to 10. Paul was a persecutor of the church that turned to apostle. So he had an experience in persecuting Christians. He was very zealous. He went about trying to meet the requirements of the law by his own self-effort. So he studied under Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. And then he realized how Jesus Christ touched him. So that his experience he had was what he would use to impact other people that were coming along the way. First Corinthians chapter 15 Verses 9 to 10. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He realized it. If he was fervent in persecuting the Christians, God would give him even greater grace to labor for the things of God. Praise the Lord. And I want to challenge you. In a church where we have a brother that can play the keyboard, play the drum, play the guitar, lead the praise and worship, Preach, lead the children's ministry, and somebody else is just sitting there, coming only on Friday to sit down and receive. It is not a proper use of God's grace. The grace that he has to do all of those and still be a husband to his wife, father to his children, and even publicly do a master's program, you have the same measure of grace that you can use to do something. Wonderful for God. Praise the Lord. So I don't want you to go back today the same way you came. God has this measure of grace he gives. And it's not a partial God. Right? Everybody has something that God has deposited in him that he will use to impact the world. What you do in church is a ministry to the brethren. But what you do to the unbelievers is what God has put in you with which to change the world. And one man can change the world. Hope, hope you know. You start from your own world. And then it snowballs. After all, Jesus did. Praise the Lord. So Paul was convinced it was all God's doing. 
and not of his own merit. Right? In Galatians 1.15, he said, But when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, he knew that, that God has separated him, and then God has called him through God's grace. So, he was an apostle solely because of God's grace. And his entire ministry and teaching were due to divine grace. So, we see the example of Paul, and then we know that whatever unique experience God has given to you was designed by God for a purpose. I grew up under very humble circumstances. Sometimes I had cause to ask God, how come you are able to take me from there? And said, it is grace. I have we are a family of six, then four elder ones. None of them went to the university. So when I want to go to school, I have to go from one auntie to one uncle. I'm going to school tomorrow, uncle. Eh, okay, take this Indian banana. You call it Indian banana, but for our place is plantain. That's all I have for you. The other one will taste Gary. So through community effort, I was able to go to school to go and learn about rocks. It's not an accident I learned about rocks. Because it's from learning about rocks that I understand that, oh, so God had me in mind before he made the rocks of the earth that are dated to be millions of years old. So I have a better appreciation of the immensity of God and how great his grace is because of my peculiar experience. So that's the way it is sometimes. Paul used his peculiar experience. That's why when they tell him, oh, you are going to die here, they are going to bind your hand, he said, don't worry about that. I've gone beyond that. If God is interested in keeping me, nothing can be able to... That's why he said, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Because he was in that ship that was going to be shipwrecked, all the people have given up hope. They have all thrown their things on board and they refuse to eat. He said, because Paul is here, I, ha- I have an angel of the Lord told me today that I will be with four Caesar, so none of your life will be lost. That is the kind of grace that God gives to a man. Because you are in the aeroplane and they say, oh, the weather is very bad. You can announce to them, take care. Because I'm here, nothing will happen to any of you. That is the kind of grace that God gives to you. Praise the Lord. And you have it and God will give you in Jesus' name. Law is self-help. While grace is God's way of salvation, totally on end. Romans 3.24. Let's just open to that. Romans chapter 3 verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified freely by his grace. The blood of bull and goats cannot totally atone for our sins. That is why we are justified by the blood of Christ through special grace of his. So it's not anything for us to work for. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, is the gift of God. If you give a gift to your child, and he did not unwrap the gift, he threw it under the bed because he was not sure of the content, and he went about playing. Can your child make use of that gift? No. There was a case of a boy whose father was dying, and the boy had wanted a car badly. So... When the father died, they said, this is a book that the father gave to you, and it was a Bible. 
Inside the Bible was a note to the card dealer, the favorite card that the boy liked. And then the note said, okay, everything is paid for. Just go there and pick up the car. But he never opened the Bible. He said, I wanted a car. Why are you giving me the Bible? And the dying father wanted his son to have the word of God to know before he take the car. So he knew that any day he opened the Bible, it would be easy for you to find the page that there's a note there to say, go and pick your car from the dealer. If somebody gives you a gift and you never open it, there's no way you can use the gift. So that's why I pray that the grace that God has packaged for you, none of you will miss it in Jesus' name. Grace is synonymous with the gospel. Grace brings salvation. Grace brings eternal life. Romans 5.21 Romans chapter 5, verse 21 So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You believe God because somebody told you about Him. Somebody told you about Him because the person was sent to tell you. The person was sent because He was available to be sent. Yet, in all of these, God has not left your salvation to chance. He did not leave it in the hand of some prophet, maybe like Prophet Jonah, who will say, go and meet this brother and talk to him. He say, no, I don't like that brother. He's very oppressive. No, he has not left it to chance. So the weightier matters of your life, God has handled it. Right? So God didn't leave it to chance. So your salvation was not in the hand of man. God secured it himself. That's why it's by grace that we have the eternal life. And that's the most important issue in the life of a man. At the end of the day, it's not the work you do that matters. It's not the car you drove while you are here. It's not how many bedroom villa you lived in that matters. No. It is not. Those are not the important things. But eternity with God. And he didn't leave that to chance. This is another exceeding grace from God. Praise the Lord. And the grace is open to all. Right? I'm rushing now because of time. The grace is open to all. And he didn't make it conditional upon human response. But it can be rejected or accepted. See? When we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. That grace he gives to you to use it for his glory. So he's pleading. Apostle Paul is pleading with the Corinthians that don't receive that grace of God in vain. It is by grace that we have been saved. But don't receive it to do things that are not honoring and glorifying to God. Praise the Lord. There was this artist, Nikus, that we met in one of the African gatherings a few days ago. I was so impressed by the kind of artwork he did. He just take ordinary sand and use sand to make beautiful pictures. Different colors of sand. And then you see the artwork. You see he made pictures of the sultan, pictures of very people. See, how God can put such artistry in man that he can just use sand, only sand, to make an artwork that is so beautiful and standing out. That is it, that everybody that God has made, that is a talent he has put in him. 
that he can use to wow everybody around. And say, yes, this is your ministry. This is something that only you can do so well. This is something that makes you a king of something. That is what God has done. From human perspective, divine grace is a power that undergirds the present life. You know, God's grace abides in us, and He abides in us to give liberally to all men. We stand in God's grace and rejoice in it. Our calling, our witness, our work are all based on the power of God's grace in our lives. Because of time, we won't go through all the details of that. There was this fable about um, uh, the scientists that came together. And after a while, they said, we can make a bionic heart. We can make the eyes. We can make all these things. I think we can make human beings. So let's make a man-making contest. So they sent representatives to meet God's angel. And God gave them audience. Said, okay, when you are ready, come. Let's do the man-making contest. So, we have to start from scratch, they said. Start from the beginning. They all agreed. So, on the day of the contest, they bent down to take a piece of uh, soil so that they can start. I said, God knows. No, no, no. Leave my soil. Go and look for your own debt. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, from soil that God made, they are not supposed to make their own man from soil. They should go and look for their own debt that they used to start making their own man. Praise God. So, God has given us so much grace that we should use it to his glory. And the true experience of God's grace changes one's life in the direction of righteousness. Right? True experience of God's grace changes your life in the direction of righteousness. In that parable in the vineyard, when the man went out by 6 a.m., he got some, some uh, laborers to go and work for, his, for him, and he agreed with them, he's going to pay them five Reals. It's one denary in the Bible. But let's convert it to five reals here per day. Because the average wage of uh, the laborer maybe say 100 reals in a month. So divide that by 20, you get five reals. So by nine o'clock, he went again. He saw some people. He said, Go and work in my vineyard and I will give you what is right. He said, What is right? Okay. So by 12 o'clock, he went. By 3 o'clock, he went. And by 5 p.m., he went again. Saw some people. Nobody has hired you. Nobody. We have been here since morning. Go to my vineyard. And then when, by 6 p.m., when the, is the end of the day, and he wanted to start paying them, he didn't start paying from those who were at the beginning, so that they would have gone. He started paying them from those who came last. And then, after giving them the five real, the people who came first thought, oh, we are going to get more, because this man is very generous. And then he gave them five reals that was agreed from the beginning. So they came to him, how can you treat us the same like these people? And he said, man, you got what we bargained for. Is your eye evil because I'm generous? The moral of the story is God gives people measure of grace that is different. Don't ever look at another person and think God has blessed him more or God is helping him more. There is something God has given to you that is meet for you that is required for you to use to honor and glorify him. Focus on that and God will bring out his glory in you as well. Praise the Lord. So grace turned the demon-possessed man of gathering to an evangelist proclaiming the good news of Christ. And finally, grace never gives freedom to sin. Grace of God never gives freedom to sin. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. We read it the other time. I want us to read it again before we close. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? God forbid that we take his grace for granted. Please, dear brethren, don't ever take the grace of God for granted. Because if God removes you, he found a replacement. He can turn a stone around to prison. Okay? He converted that madman, raving madman that was in the tombs. Nobody can live with him. Nobody can bind him. Right? He doesn't have a wife. Who will go and marry a madman? He doesn't have children. He doesn't have a job. On the meeting with Jesus, he converted that madman to an evangelist. Right? Going about in Decapolis and all the places, proclaiming the goodness of Christ. So, the grace God has given to you, that by his grace, none of us is mad. We are all sane. But we can do much more. Don't take it for granted. Use it for his glory. In Jesus' name. So, let's, in closing, look at Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 38 to 41. Open your books to, your Bible to the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 32, verse 38 to 41. This is a proclamation that God made. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. This is the declaration that God made to you today. He put his fear in your heart so that you will not willfully go out and sin against him. So that he will have the continuous courage, continuous disposition to do you good. Because he wants to rejoice over you. He wants you, your children, and their children after them to be for him for good. That is the declaration God is making to you. I want us to bow down our heads and ponder this in our heart. Are you enjoying his grace already? Or you are not even in the fold of the people that can enjoy the grace? You are not even born again. You have not even given your, your life to Christ. This is the time. If you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to come to His saving grace, because the blood of bull and bullock cannot atone for sin, it is that perfect sacrifice of that blood of Christ that He has used to redeem us forever. Please raise up your hand. If you want to give your life to Christ, raise up your hand. If you are not yet in Christ, and you want to give your life to Christ, Please raise up your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Keep it up. One of the... Please, all eyes closed, all heads bow. If you want to give your life to Christ, raise up your hand so that we have a quick prayer with you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your son that you have drawn to yourself today. It is by grace that we are saved, not by works, lest any man should boast of it. We don't have any boast. 
We don't have anything. You have demonstrated to us, oh my father, that despite our weakness, despite all the infirmities that is in us, you are able to use it all for your glory. This one has come to you, my father. The reason that you have drawn him to yourself, you that has given him this life, father, you will enable him to remain steadfast in you, to be continuously blessed by you, and to fulfill the purpose for which you have revealed yourself unto him in Jesus' name. This one will never have cause to go back into the world for any reason. His life will be an ever-increasing glory from one level of glory unto the next, unto the next, till Jesus comes, Lord. And at the end, my Father, we shall not be found wanting. He shall not be found wanting even in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to play two prayers. I just want us to rise. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on orders thou art do not pass me by, Savior, 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 hear my humble You need God's grace to be established, even in the one that He has declared concerning you. So that's the prayer you are going to pray. Father, establish me by your grace. There is something that God has in His mind when He's made you. There is something that He has when He called you. Remember, there were seven sons of Jesse that the man lined up, yet He said there is a son in the bush. He is the one he has chosen. And then he established him. And then he made the declaration that his kingdom will never take away. So we are going to pray, Father, establish me. Establish me, Lord. In the thing that you have called me to do, establish me. Establish me. Because you are the one that can establish me by your grace. It's not by my wisdom. It's not by my know-how. It's not by what I can do or what I cannot do. But it is by you, O Lord God, that you can establish me. In Jesus' name we pray. The second prayer and final one is, God give me the grace to be wise. He said, he that winneth soul is wise. A murderer became an apostle. Right? That is, uh, uh, Apostle Paul was a murderer. He was killing the Christian. Moses was uh, a murderer. He killed the Egyptian. And yet he became the deliverer. A madman became an evangelist. He means the grace to be wise. So that I will run my race diligently to the end in Jesus' name. Pray, 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 brethren. Father, give me the grace to be wise. Give me the grace to be wise. Because he that winneth soul is wise. You can, no matter what my background is, you can make me a soul winner, so that in the last day in heaven, we have a lot of brethren that has come to Christ just because I did my part. Give me that grace, oh my Father, to be wise. Give me the grace to be wise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you, our Father, for your glory. 
and blessed be thou forever. In every area of our life, we know that our case is settled with you. And it's by grace, not by any work of ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us thank God. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again we praise you and we thank you. Our heart rejoices, Lord, by hearing your word. Thank you for the word that you have spoken through your servant. Thank you, Lord, that you blessed us because we are very much privileged to you over your word. Yes, Lord, as you have given us the abundance of your grace in our life, today we are here. And also, Lord, we pray that you have given us the wisdom, Lord, by your, uh, Lord, by your grace, so that we will win many more souls in our lives in this area, so that your name will be glorified. Dear Father, bless your servant and anoint him with the multiple portions of thy spirit. In the days to come, you will use him mightily for your glory alone. Lord, we also pray for each and every one of us who gather here. Lord, we thank you. It is not, we are not of here by our own. We are very much privileged in your presence to hear your word, to be blessed by your word. Help us to be a blessing to many more, so that many more will hear your word through us and also through our life. Dear Lord, as you are going to depart from this place, take us safely to our respective home until we meet again. Let your peace and your grace, which you promise, prevail in your life forever. In Jesus' most exalted name we pray. Let us share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Go with the peace of God.